This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. I'm going to talk about trusting God today when it doesn't make sense. And what I mean by that is when you've been through a difficult time or maybe uh, you've experienced loss, maybe you prayed about something and uh, you didn't see the outcome that you wanted to see. And it's something we don't talk about much, but it's something we do need to uh, look at because we talk about the good reports and, and those type things. But reality is we all at some time will suffer loss when we didn't see a, a prayer answered the way we wanted to see it answered. Can I get any? And it's important that we deal with those times and know how to deal with it and what God's Word has to say about it. And maybe you've been through a divorce. Maybe you were believing for your spouse and ended up going through a divorce. Or maybe you lost, uh, you're praying for healing for a loved one and they, they died. You know, how does that affect you? Yeah, have you ever had the, it was like the rug pulled under your faith. Something happened and uh, it's easy to be tempted to question things. You, and you can start questioning God's word or uh, God, why didn't you do this? Or almost blaming him. And of course, the longer you walk with God, you realize that he's never the blame. But we need to have understanding. Ellen and I... You know, we had a couple miscarriages, uh, and we were believing, we were praying, and it just, it hits you, you know, and you start questioning, what did I do wrong, or, you know, where was God in all this, <clears throat> and this is years ago, and now I know more, but at that time, it's just like, you know, what's going on here, I was, I was trusting God, I was I was believing. Now, since then, many of you uh, know I have dreams, and I, I saw one of our daughters, and uh, I was God got me in on one of the celebrations. Somebody's coming home in, in heaven, and here I am in the crowd. I don't know the guy who came home, but everybody is just having a great time. I'm just having a great time with them. Oh, this is awesome. He, he's coming to heaven and all this. And, and uh, <clears throat> soon I, I felt like I know, knew the guy. You know, I'm just hitting it great. He's home. And they look at me. Yeah, Bob, they knew me. And uh, so anyway, the crowd disperses and they, they go off together and they're walking down the way. And I see this one girl on the hill. And I looked there and I said, inside myself, I said, I know you. And I came up, you know, to her, said, I know you. And she goes, yeah, you do. She said, I'm your daughter. And as soon as she said, I knew that's who she was, that we were family. And uh, I, I'll never forget it. But it was, it was so real. Well, see, even though there was a miscarriage, I know where she is. And see, even when it looked like a loss, we can't lose for winning because she is in our eternity. She will always be there. And, and so 
you start looking at things differently. And the truth is, I never blame God. Somewhere I didn't connect. Somewhere there was something wrong that just didn't connect. Now, do I get under condemnation? Well, it's me. I'm just a miserable old thing. No. No, there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. Uh, I know he loves me. I know he, he's always for me. And that unconditional love gives me strength to, to keep going. And that's why even years ago, I, one thing I knew is that he loved me because I experienced his love on such a, uh, a grand, powerful uh, encounter with him. I knew he, I was loved and all this, you know, took place. And that was a foundation I could hold on to. And that's one of the things you do. And we'll, we'll look at this and then unfold this as we get into this ministry. But I've seen people that they've experienced uh, a loss and they've turned from God. They've turned from church. They've just ran like the opposite direction. Saying, well, if God didn't answer my prayer here, why pray anything? And woe is me and doubt starts coming and all these things happen and they're, they get stuck. And you can talk to them years later and they're still rehearsing. They're still reliving. They're like a victim. They're still identifying with that loss and it's become a part of them. And if you're a victim, if you're identifying as a victim, you'll never move forward. You're stuck. And God didn't want us stuck. God wants us to move forward. Amen? So we're going to look at how do you recover from a tragedy. And the Bible has great stories of victory and how people have overcome some tremendous uh, difficulties and situations. And many times we have the story behind the story, and sometimes we don't have the story behind the story. And I've said this before, I believe when we get to heaven that there will be a meeting We'll sit down with Jesus, and he's going to explain. And so, what about this? And he's going to go, this. And go, oh, well, no wonder. I believe every answer, there, there's no such thing as God not having the answer to a situation or a problem. There is a, a reason. And sometimes it's us. It could be we were in fear. Sometimes we're out in left fit. You know, it could be us. But he still loves us and he works with us. And we're to, we're to contend for the faith. I prayed for people that had uh, cancer and they died. I prayed for people that had cancer and they lived. And we're seeing more and more. But you learn and you keep contending for the faith. And you never take it upon yourself and, and, and you know, take condemnation. You give it to God. And I know people that have... Uh, have been robbed and all kinds of stuff and fear and doubt and all these things trying to come on them, but we give it to God. And, and there's certain things, and I need to move on. We won't get there, that uh, we need to do. One thing, Psalms 145, verse 12, it says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful to all His promises, loving toward all he has made he's always faithful to his promises he's all it's always yes and amen well maybe god didn't want to heal this time he's already done it it's already a done deal the finished work of the cross he has healed us every person that has 
not been healed, died with healing on the inside of them because the healer lives inside of them by the Holy Spirit. That's a thought for you, isn't it? The divine healing power of God is in, on the inside of every believer. It's already done. Hebrews 10, verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep His promise. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. God is faithful to his promises. He's not changing. He is a faithful God and he cannot change. I'm glad there's something that is not changing and that's God. I'm glad there's no revisions coming out. The new updated Bible God had to do a press release. There needed to be some revisions to change for the times. No such thing. The word is the word. You can always go to it. It's not changing. He's not a man that he can lie. He can always be trusted. In fact, you find that his very nature is truth. So he is, he is truth and he can be totally trusted because he's totally true. He's totally truth. He says faithful to his promises. Many times when the Lord has told me about a situation, it's been a simple thing. Sometimes it's been where I prayed with someone, they went home to be with the Lord, and they were telling me all the right things, but then I talked to a family member and said, oh, they, they were wanting to go home. And so, well, that's not what they, they were telling me. Oh, they were just being nice to you, Pastor, because they knew you wanted to see them healed. Well, they didn't have to do that. If somebody wants to go home, last time I checked, the Bible says it's far better. Far better. So if somebody wants to go, <laughs> fine. Amen? Okay. So our greatest hope and comfort is knowing that God is faithful. And, but I want you to know the Bible does teach that believers will face... Trials, temptations, and afflictions. And I find many times Christians get upset and wonder what is wrong with me when they go through something. Well, the Bible says you're going to go through some stuff. The only place you're not going to go through some stuff is heaven. I remember years ago that and this guy was so sincere. He said, I want you to pray for me that I'll not have any more temptations and tests and uh, all these problems I want you to pray for me that the devil will never bother me again so I I reached up to pray for him I said God kill him <laughs> oh no 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 and that's not what I meant well, you're going contrary to the Bible somebody said oh can't we pray there will be no more hurricanes or earthquakes or no because the Bible says they're going to happen In Psalms 34, verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So don't think it's strange, the strange things that happen to you. <laughs> don't think it's strange that there's trials, there's temptations and afflictions that come against you. There is an enemy, he hates you. 
but probably one of the worst tragedies is the death of a child. It's something about a parent burying a child that just is not right. And, and parents would give their life for their child. But this is something that uh, I want to look at in the, in the scriptures and see what the word has to say to us about it. In 2 Samuel uh, chapter 11, and you can go and, and you can read this. You know, a lot of people ask questions. I believe in asking God questions. How many know that when you ask Him a question, His timing to answer that could be completely different than yours? Sometimes, say, God, if you'll tell me the answer to this, why this happened, I'll go ahead and get back to living by faith and trusting you. And I mean, that's not the way it works. He wants you to go back to trusting Him and, and living by faith, and then He'll explain some things to you. But the timing, there's some things He still hadn't explained to me, but there's some things He has explained to me that it was a couple years later. It was time down the road. Why? I believe I was better prepared for the truth then. And because he loved me, he waited. So I trust him to know when to tell me. Amen? And sometimes I can be nosy. I'm praying for somebody. I'm going, Lord, why am I praying this? You know, what's going on with them? And I've had him literally say, this rose up on me. It's none of your business. But you know what? I felt so much comfort. Because I realized I don't want to know the business behind it. I don't want to know. And plus, if I knew the business behind it, I might pray differently for you. Am I speaking some truth there? Okay. Okay. So we'll make sure. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, and this is a familiar story, but it's a great example of what David did that we can grab hold of. David, as you recall, it was the time of year, it was in springtime, the kings were supposed to be at battle, were supposed to be at war. He's at home. And what's he do? It says that he rose up in the evening, he rises up, he goes out on his roof, he looks out and he sees Bathsheba, she's bathing. You might ask, why is she bathing? Uh, you know, for people to see her. Well, it's because all the men are gone. They're at battle, they're supposed to be there. There's just a few men there and they're at the gates and they stay and sleep at the gates protecting the city. But he was in the wrong place. And you know the story. Uh, he sends his uh, servants. They go and get her and bring her. He, he uh, sleeps with her. She gets pregnant. And then uh, sin always grows. <laughs> well, he had to start covering his, his basis here. So he brings Uriah, the husband, home. And uh, he comes up with this idea. We're going to have a hero's dinner. We're going to have a, a banquet. We're going to welcome him home for some good old R&R. &R. 
and brings him home and said, thank you for the job that you're doing. Now go home, be with your wife. And what happens, he finds out the next day, he went to the gates of the city and he slept with the soldiers guarding the city. Now they, they threw quite a banquet because David actually sent him with food. Said, take this home with you, all this food. He winds up feeding the soldiers at the gate. Now, they probably had a feast. And then David said, you know, why didn't you go home? He said, the men are in tents. They're in a battle. How could I? I could never do that. I could never do such a thing. Loyalty. So David, well... I have another plan here. So he decides he's going to get him drunk. And then he figures if he's drunk and he goes home, he won't know if he, he slept with her, where he can say that the baby's his. And I'll get Bathsheba to say he did. Well, he gets him drunk and he stumbles around and doesn't get past the soldiers at the gate. And sleeps there again. So David, I mean, you can imagine how spiritually empty he was. He's just moving steadily from God. And now he comes up with another plan. He said, I'm not going to make this happen here. He said, Uriah, I want you to go back to Joab. That was the commanding officer. I want you to take this note to him. And he carried... His own death sentence is what he did. And the note said to Joab, put Uriah on the front lines, and when you have any resistance, everyone retreat immediately. Everyone's to know this except Uriah. And David murders Uriah. And then David uses it for political gain. Now he's the, the hero because he takes in the wife who is pregnant of the war hero and to take care of her. And it looks like he could have got away with this, except God saw it. And God tells Nathan, and Nathan goes, sometimes ministry can be a lot of fun, sometimes you don't deliver the message you would like to deliver. And he goes, and he gives this message in a parable. And at the end of this thing, David is so upset. said, the man that did this injustice, he should pay fourfold, and he just goes on and on. He still doesn't know. He should have known this was him, but he doesn't have a clue because he's Spiritually empty. And Nathan has to say, look, it's you. 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 And he hit David. And he woke up, he heard the voice of God, and he said, I have sinned against God. And he wakes up and knows what he has done. Let me read to you. 2 Samuel 12, verse 13. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. 
And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Now sometimes, you know, we talk about the grace of God, but actually grace was in the Old Testament too. You have to look a little harder for it. But it was there. Here is an example of the grace of God. Actually, David had committed two capital crimes or two crimes that were the punishment according to the law was the death sentence. He had done adultery and murder. Yeah, here's God says, you'll not die. The grace of God to David the king right here. Wow. Just, just amazing. He deserved to die, but he was pardoned by God. Verse 14, however... By this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also his, is, who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to his house. So he already has his child, says this child shall die. Now, it's interesting when you study this out and uh, I'll, I can give you just real quick. You could go into it. But the fourfold punishment that David pronounced came on his family. Fourfold. It came against him. I'll just read it to you quickly. David's son died. Secondly, uh, Dave, one of David's sons lusted for sister, raped her, committed incest. Absalom found out about the incident, murdered his own brother for raping his sister, then Absalom died in rebellion trying to overthrow his father's kingdom. So the king's declaration, you know, what you say, he said it and it came against him, against his family. But how did David recover from the death of his child? He goes into prayer and fasting. Despite all that, the child dies. And we're going to look at 2 Samuel verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 20 through 25. We're going to see what David did to recover himself. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, and changed his clothes, went to the house of the Lord and worshipped. He then went to his own house, and when he, re when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. Then his servant said to him, What is this that you have done? You have fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him. I love this. I shall go to him but he shall not return to me. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went in to her and laid with her, and she bore a son, and he called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him. So some things he did. Number one, get up and clean up. Get up and clean up. Let me say this first before I even get into that. The Bible does teach there's a time of grieving. There is a season of grieving. And I'm talking about you live in that and you continue in that. Um, when Moses died, God said, I want you to grieve for 40 days. 
And that's what they did. There was a grieving time. Then he said, get up. It, it was finished. But he says here, he got up, he rose from the ground, washed, anointed himself, and changed his clothes. He had confessed his sin, he had gotten forgiveness, he poured his heart out to the God, to the Lord. He gets up, it was time to move on. And what it means, he rose up, he, he shook it off, he, he went and bathed, and you know, just cleaned up. There's something you need to clean up. Clean up the, the office, clean up your house. There's something, you know they have found there's something that does to the person when you clean your place. Who will thunk it? But there's a strength. You know it feels good when the kitchen's clean, when things are cleaned up. It's because it's, it's a God thing. God is a God of order. It's a God thing on the inside of us. So you shake it off, you rise up, and you change, you, you bathe, you change. He anointed himself. And that anointing here doesn't mean like anointing for by the Holy Spirit for ministry, it meant cologne. He put cologne on. He's smelling good, looking good. He, he was getting back to life, and he chose to do this. It was a choice he made. God, forgive yourself. Many people get stuck there. They won't forgive themselves. But actually, there's a part of pride there you have to watch because if God is forgiving you, who are you to not forgive yourself? Are you bigger than God? No. So we have to forgive ourselves. It's not going to be the only time you have to forgive yourself. None of us are perfect. Amen? Anybody here perfect? Raise your hand. We're going to pray for your lying heart. <laughs> So he cleans up, he showers, he dressed for life again. Number two, he goes to God's house. He went to the house of the Lord. He had pleaded for God to save his son and it didn't happen. What's he do? He goes straight into the house of the Lord and he worships God. He gives God his heart. He, he's singing, he's praising, he gives God his time. Now many people, they run away from church, but it says run to church. They run away from God, run to God. He is our refuge and our strength. So we run to him, not away from him. He trusted in the Lord despite what had happened. And you might just have to meditate on the scriptures of how much he loves you and he saved you. But you get your foundation strong and you rise up and you shake it up off and you start looking, smelling good. And you go and you worship your God. You get some praise and music on. You let the devil have it and you let God just pour, like we say, pour out your praises to him. You know what that does? It changes us. When we worship him and we praise him, and you know, it was a true sacrifice of praise here for David. He had just lost his son, his child. He lost. What's he do? It's a sacrifice of praise. But I found out when you give the sacrifice of praise, it's not a sacrifice very long. Because I start to think how good he is. And how he saved me. How he delivered me. And even when that place where that person wasn't healed, they've gone to heaven. 
hallelujah. I'll see them again. When Ellen's mom passed away, we believed that she would be healed. Actually, we wound up releasing her. It was more her dad that really hit me. And David called me and he said, he's passed. It hit me so hard because I was standing. I was believing for him. And I said, God, I don't understand this. But I know one thing. You're still on the throne. And all I could do was worship him. Weep, worship him. And then he died of cancer. And then Ellen's mom, David's mom, dies of cancer. I hate cancer. Same thing here. I got to see her mom. In this dream, I met my dad's. So I'm changing the oil in the car. And here she comes up the driveway. Radiant. So beautiful. I mean, we spend a lot of time and effort to try and make these bodies look good here. But let me tell you, when God gets a hold of it in heaven, whoo, doggy. That's all I'm saying, whoo. Amazing. You don't have to work out for it. I, mean, I think the makeup's permanent. Not like this temporary permanent here. I mean, it is set. She looks so good, she comes up and she's telling me, and she's saying, I'm concerned about Ellen, said, you need to really stay close, and I felt like I was, but after this, I really, sure, to stay close to her, comfort her, they were best friends, they were so close, and said, I will do that, I'll do that, and we talked a little bit, and she's, she's getting ready to leave, and she said, uh, she reached in her pocket, and she's in white robe thing, and reaches in, and pulls out this little pill. And she said, I asked Jesus if I could bring you this. I said, what is it? She said, it tastes kind of like a Dr. Pepper. Now, many of you, there used to be Dr. Pepper, and they had commercials, be a pepper. I mean, as I was a Dr. Pepper man. I drank them by the gallons, you know. That's before they knew all that stuff was bad. Anyway. <laughs> I liked them. And she said, take this. And I said, okay. So I take this little pill, you know, and I, I put in. And it was like, um, I don't remember what the commercial was. I think it was chewing gum or something where sparks and stars go out like that, you know, <laughs> the head, whatever. I took that thing and go, oh, I've never had a Dr. Pepper like this. <laughs> I mean, the taste engulfed me. And saturated me. I'm just going, oh. I didn't say it, but I was very tempted. Do you have any more of those? <laughs> I'm telling you, the food in heaven must be, if that's the, uh, just a, a little sample to drink. I, ooh. Anyway. So she walks down the drive and is like touched by an angel. If you ever watched that, we watched them all the time. Walks and just disappeared. It was gone. Well, see, I know where they're at. 
That's the reason we got to get people saved. Because we'll know where they're going when they belong to the Lord. Number three, eat with family and friends. Don't just isolate yourself. You need people. You need to be around people that are praying for you, speaking into your life, speaking grace to you, bringing comfort, being there with you. Eat with them. Don't isolate yourself. He, he took up the responsibilities again of his, uh, he had his family, he had the military, his servants, he, he had all these responsibilities as king, and that was a sign he was taking them up again. Number four, David had the big picture, and the big picture I just kind of talked about, but he knew where his child was. He knew that he would see his child again. And we got to have the big picture because when your child is in God's hands, that's the best place to be. Amen? So David had questions, but he returned to the truth he knew. And that's what we do. We return to the truth that we know. Stability and in unstable times is maintained by coming back to what is absolutely known. And that could be, I know I'm loved. I know he will never leave me or forsake me. I know in whom I have believed. And I trust him that he's able to keep me until that day. I know that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, has come to live on the inside of me. And now I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. And I will always be his child. And I'll always have him. And I trust you, Father. I may not know everything, but I know this. I trust you. And I love you. And I know you love me. And I'm going through this with the grace of God and the strength of God. I'm not relying on my own strength. I'm not relying on my own determination. I'm relying on you, Lord. Because without you, I can do nothing. But with you, all things are possible. I love you. And what I like to do is then, I'm going to make the enemy pay for this. I'm going to go pray. Anybody that has cancer, I'm going to chase them down. <laughs> I'm going to come against it in the name of the Lord. Make the enemy pay. And the fifth one, walk in love. David comforted his wife. And I thought about this. David really put her in a very tough position. And she was to blame. You know, she could have said no to this and fought this. But really, when I think about it too, it's very difficult in that day to say no to the king. But there's no word here if she fought whatever but it does say when her husband was murdered she mourned and she wept because she loved her husband so she has this guilt of the affair and this child and David comes and I'm sure he put his arm around her and said look I sinned against God and, and probably I sinned against you forgive me and they, I'm sure there was cleansing 
and forgiveness and say he comforted her. He strengthened her. See, what we do in our recovery, some of it is bringing comfort to those around us. Being the strength to those around us. Always keeping our focus on, on Jesus and minister the love of God. And it said that they, they laid together and they had a child. See, I, I believe when there is a loss, God brings someone else to take that place. Or there's another birth. There's something that God does. And what happened here is they have a child, and this one is Solomon, the wisest person to ever live, except for Jesus. And David turned this whole thing around. And he became the greatest king that Israel ever had. In fact, every other king after this was measured up against King David. And say he was a man after God's own heart. I want you to know there's hope for all of us then. And we live in a better covenant after the cross. As the price has been paid in full. And now we're in the dispensation of the grace of God. What a glorious time we're living in. But we have to recover. We have to set ourselves to do these things. And David rose to be that kind of king. Thank you, Lord. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your scriptures that you show us the way, Lord. You show us the way of life. You show us the way, Lord, to, to recover from a tragedy. And Lord, you're the key to it. It's being with you. And Lord, I thank you for every person here. Every person that's gone through a loss of a loved one or a divorce. Maybe someone committed suicide in your family. Whatever it was, a tragedy. Maybe you're disappointed at yourself. Maybe fears come in. Doubt. God wants you to trust Him again. God wants you to turn fully to Him. He wants you to recover. He wants you to no longer be a victim. He wants you to be a daughter. He wants you to be a son. He wants you to be strengthened. That you can rise up and make progress again in life. That you no longer be stuck. But you're moving forward from glory to glory. From glory to glory in your God. Walking with Him. Talking with Him. Communion with Him. Intimacy with Him. Producing disciples. Raising up people. Being a life bearer. Being a light bearer. Bringing peace. Bringing strength. Bringing hope. Bringing comfort. Bringing Jesus. Bringing the gospel bringing Him to all those around you. But you need to be whole to minister the homeless to others. This word is spoken to you this morning. I want you to just lift your hand. And we're going to pray. Yes. Yes. See all these hands. We probably all could. Yes. Lift your hands. Father, for every person that lifted their hand, I pray that this, this message, Lord, 
would change everything. That we would recover. That we would come out of whatever level of darkness this thing has made in our lives. That we'll move past it. We'll move forward. And I break the enemy's hold in the name of Jesus. I break that victim mentality. Stop rehearsing and talking about the past. It's a new day. It's a new day for you. And I command the spirit of fear to be gone. I command all doubt and unbelief to go. And Father, we give you our allegiance and our love and our devotion to you. We say, have your way in our life. And God, those things that we don't know what happened, we give to you. We give you all those questions. We give you all those places, Lord. And we receive your love today. We receive you, Jesus, into those areas. Every part of our heart, every part of our life, we're moving forward. We give you thanks. Today, you never accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. You can receive right now. He loves you so much, they died for you. He took sickness. He took sin. He took death for you. Where you can be pardoned. Where you can be set free. That's you today. You want to accept Jesus? Just lift your hand. See that. Let's say this together. Say, dear Lord, thank you for Jesus Christ who died on the cross, who took my sins. I love you, Lord. I believe in you. Come into my heart. Come into my life. I'm glad you were raised from the dead. And now you're the living king. And you're the king of my life. Holy Spirit, empower me now to live this life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name. Let's give God thanks for saving this one. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.